I know you're worried about it. The politicians are talking about it. The shipping crisis, supply chains, all of these scary words that we've never even thought about before as human beings are coming crashing down on our heads. And Florida's fourth estate is here to deliver you from your anxiety. Thank you for joining us for another edition. My name is Matt Austin. I'm Ginger Gadsden. That introduction made me more anxious. Yeah, I just thought goal. about all the things I haven't done yet. So uh, thanks for that. Yeah, I think that, you know, who would have thought that in our everyday language, we'd be talking about, hey, you know about the supply chain shortage? It's like, what? What are you talking about? So it's crazy that that's what we're talking about right now. And everyone's talking about it. It's true. And about every five minutes on your television, you're probably seeing somebody showing shipping containers by the thousands out there on the, on the Pacific Ocean, just terrifying you as you picture your Christmas wares out there on those ships. So I have heard about 300 reasons why those ships are out there and why you need to start shopping for Christmas right now for some reason, yes, which I haven't even had my yes, Thanksgiving turkey. So we have brought in an expert. His name is Dr. Axel Stock. He is a marketing professor at the University of Central Florida. Dr. Stock, Thank you so much for taking some of your time to explain to us what the heck is going on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Um, so, so okay, we've I have heard so many reasons why we can't seem to get caught up. There's a glut because Americans are just buying so much stuff and they can't get it in. Why are those shipping containers out there waiting with nowhere to go? Uh, yeah, as you mentioned before, you know, uh, there are multiple reasons that, um, that account for this problem. Uh, I would basically start with explaining that most of our supply of consumer product goods uh, come from Southeast Asia. And uh, Southeast Asia, just as we have, has uh, dealt with the coronavirus uh, pandemic situation. And, uh, and basically, uh, last year, there were uh, factories shut down as a consequence of uh, lockdown. So these countries, Vietnam, uh, China, uh, they locked down uh, cities uh, for a certain period of time, and then the factories shut down. And you have to basically imagine that these factories are not, you know, small factories, they are mega factories. So once uh, the factories basically are shut down, then uh, you know, production stops and it's large quantities. And we are trying to play a catch up game uh, to that because, uh, you know, last year uh, the demand was down. I mean, demand was up for certain kind of products during the pandemic, but uh, was down for other kinds of products. And now the demand is uh, up across the board. And, uh, you know, we're trying to get uh, products to the US but we only have so much capacity at the ports. I also heard that a now, lot of, uh, you know, there's more to say. Mm -hmm. you know? I, I heard also that we still never fully recovered from the ship being stuck in the Suez Canal and backing up all of those other ships. Is that right? Are we still feeling the, the ripple effects from that? Uh, that's, a, that's an important event that you mentioned. Uh, definitely also contributes to the same problem, uh, you know, that delayed uh, shipment of goods for a while because it was blocking uh, the passage to the U.S., uh, to some ports in the U.S., 
and uh, you know, and and we are basically we, that created a backlog, and then once you get to the port, let's say in Los Angeles, you know, you have basically people, uh, sorry, you have ships unloading their wares, and then we have another issue, which is basically the shortage of truck drivers. So mm. you know that uh, you know it's not only that uh, we have many ships. Uh, on, on sea waiting to be able to talk, but we also have the problem that once they unload, you know, the, the products are not being delivered uh, immediately to their destinations, may it be uh, directly to consumers or to retailers or to manufacturers. And, uh, and that is because, uh, you know, we have too few truck drivers. Um, and uh, so the, the company is shipping the products um, from the port to the destination they can't do efficiently. And you, that's not a problem you can fix quickly. You've got to find people. You've got to pay them the right amount that they train want them. to work. You got to train them, which doesn't take uh, five minutes. That's that's weeks of training uh, to, to create a truck or maybe months. I don't even know. But yeah. I'm also curious as to, okay, so this has gotten political now. So now politicians are coming and saying, well, I'm going to save the day. I heard Governor Ron DeSantis, our own governor of Florida, said that we're going to open up Florida's ports and we can help this situation. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I don't. I wasn't very good at geography, but if a ship is coming from Asia, to coming past California down around to Florida, doesn't seem very practical. I mean, I could see from goods coming from Europe. Okay, maybe yes. let's open up Florida, but I didn't think that was as big of a problem as as yeah. you were saying coming from the Asian area. So, it, explain to me: Is there a way Florida could help with that situation, or is this more kind of posturing? Yeah, I, I think, you know, what you have mentioned uh, is basically correct, that, you know, uh, it can help with goods coming from Europe more than goods coming from Asia. Of course, once the logjam reaches a certain point, then it may actually be still good to, uh, you know, direct some of the ships, you know, even though they have to be on sea for like two weeks, because, you know, otherwise they would have to wait to dock for four weeks. So you can still save two weeks mm -hmm. and it may still make economic sense to do that. Uh, but absolutely, you know, uh, I believe I've read that there's some contract with a company from Europe where I think uh, a thousand containers will be now delivered through uh, Jackson, uh, Jacksonville uh, port. And that's, um, you know, that's a good uh, way to start. Although, uh, you know, uh, the problem is again the same that we have at uh, LA airport also, and maybe even more so in Florida is, you know, do we have the right infrastructure, uh, which is called, I think, intramodal capacity to, you know, then bring the goods from the port to the destinations. So I think, uh, you know, opening the port or promoting uh, the ports in Florida is a good first step, but we also have to make sure that uh, the delivery companies are there uh, and, uh, you know, have enough staff to actually help us to get the goods to the final destination. It seems like this exposed a number of vulnerabilities as far as what we manufacture in, here in America and how we get things here. What is the number one thing you 
think was exposed as to a weakness for our supply chain here in America? Um, I think, you know, uh, in our uh, technologically uh, dominated um, century millennium, uh, you know, uh, it's definitely, you know, the semiconductors uh, that uh, played like a big role. Uh, when you think of semiconductors, you always think about computers, you know, you think about maybe uh, mobile phones. And all of those are basically, or 90% of those are produced in Taiwan and uh, Vietnam or China. Uh, Taiwan, I know for sure, yeah. as a big portion of those produced there. And, uh, but what we don't think about is, you know, our refrigerator, our washing machine, any kind of electronic device uh, needs a semiconductor, not the same kind, but needs a semiconductor. And as uh, you know, TVs in, become basically smart, become a little bit more like computers, even if you wanted to produce uh, you know, a more high to technology product, like a computer, a TV, uh, things like that, or even a machinery, if you want to produce it in the US, if you don't have that semiconductor available, then your production stops. You cannot manufacture uh, the products uh, you know, that you will then want to sell mm -hmm. uh, to consumers either inside the US or uh, overseas. Uh, so we basically are very dependent upon uh, the supply of, you know, of uh, these uh, computer ships. And that's, that's the biggest vulnerability because our uh, society as a whole is very much dependent on uh, technology. So if, you know, Taiwan were going to cut off their supply, I mean, they have no interest in doing that, but if that supply would completely vanish out of a sudden, we have basically problems you know, getting a new computer. Yeah, and everything else because also, they've stuck a chip like, in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Everything, but it's also some of the, the no-tech stuff. We have, I work with a producer here, Matt, you know, Brooke. She ordered furniture last month and the delivery date is February. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's, that's insane. I would have never thought that, you know, I can go to rooms to go or, or someplace else and just go and, and pick up my furniture, but it, you wouldn't think that it would take that long to get a bedroom set. Mm -hmm. So, and that's part of the problem as, as well. Have we had something like this happen ever before? Um, I personally, uh, you know, I, I'm personally not aware, um, but, uh, you know, definitely, you know, in the uh, Great Recession, like uh, 2010, 2008 to 2012, in that uh, period of time, there were some supply and chain shortages as well for different reasons. Um, you know, the, you know, the coronavirus uh, pandemic, since it was a global or is a global uh, phenomenon, it's basically affecting so many things in the lives of everyone worldwide, you know, so we are basically complaining uh, about our situation here, but when we, you know, go to Asia, probably in some countries, uh, the problems are even like, uh, you know, multiple of those that we have. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, well, I'm going to ask, I know a lot of people don't care about the intricacies of the supply chain. What they want to know is, 
when the heck is it going to get fixed? Because obviously the president, he was feeling the heat, seeing all of the, still seeing all that stuff in this big mess uh, being out there. So he was urged to open the ports in California 24 seven. And so they made that move, but is that even going to make a difference in this Dr. Scott? Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody has to basically uh, work together. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, uh, the truck driver, shortage, truck driver shortage cannot be solved from one day to the next. But definitely, you know, as we know from economics, basically, you know, to get uh, supply and demand in sync, you know, price is basically our uh, variable that can be changed. So ultimately, uh, you know, trucking companies will raise the uh, the wages for truck drivers. So I expect those to go up. So it will become more attractive for people who have maybe experience driving bigger vehicles who could acquire a license quicker than, you know, like you and me, for example, who only, I, I suppose, only drive passenger vehicles. So for us, it will take a long time. But if you have like some experience or maybe you worked as a truck driver before and now you're doing something else. But once that job becomes sufficiently attractive financially, mm -hmm. you may switch mm -hmm. jobs. And that is basically something that needs to happen. And then of course, the truck, uh, trucking companies, the delivery companies, they will increase prices for, you know, uh, the retailers and manufacturers and in turn, Unfortunately, and that's also something that we are already seeing is that uh, prices on goods in various categories also increase, you know, as part of, uh, as a consequence of this problem. Mm -hmm. But uh, basically, we have a, a possibility to, you know, to find a solution. Uh, people, are, people have to uh, be comfortable changing the economic variables in all of this. Do you think that it a lot of it is incumbent upon the companies, these big companies that make a lot of money to make sure their customers are happy and get what they are asking for? And I say that because it was last year, I think it was Peloton, uh, which just took off, uh, you know, it, it skyrocketed and yes. they could not get their bikes. And I think their bikes were coming from Asia. So their CEO chartered planes to make sure everyone got a bike who ordered a bike and didn't have to wait for months. They still had to wait a little bit, but it wasn't an eternity. Is it going to take that from these, these multi-million dollar conglomerate companies to do that for their customers to show like, okay, we, we appreciate you being here. We need you to stay here and here's what we're going to do. Yeah. I mean, in general, you know, that's um, our, uh, you know, capitalistic market system basically depends on customers, right? So uh, companies can make profits if they satisfy customers. Uh, so I, I expect that in uh, the interest of profit maximization, <laughs> companies will go out of their way, like you just described, uh, to serve customers to uh, be in business and to maximize their uh, you know, profits and shareholder value and so on and so forth. So. Uh, definitely, you know, if you think of, uh, you know, the government stepping in, uh, you know, a tendency that always, you know, uh, is expected to be a little slower. So the market forces in general 
should fix this problem better, but in certain cases, you know, government should also play a role. Yeah. Well, I just looked it up. Apparently, on average, according to this article I just found, it takes seven weeks to get your CDL. So we're talking seven weeks just from once somebody decides, okay, well, say I could make $100,000 a year driving a truck. Okay, I'll do it. Now we wait seven weeks. We get you a job. So we're talking months of backup before we can accommodate for that issue in itself, which is, you know, they say everything you have ever ordered, everything you own, everything you're sitting on and everything you're wearing came here on a truck. So you better respect that industry. Because that is the way it is. I've decided, so my plan going into Christmas, doctor, is underwears and, underwear and socks. That's what these kids are getting. They'll be happy with it. I, I'm pretty sure, I'm confident I can find that at my local Walmart. What, what advice are you giving people as we head into the Christmas season to try to accommodate yeah. for this? Yeah, and you, you suggested it in a way. You know, my advice is basically uh, buy uh, in the brick and mortar store, buy what is available on the shelf, right? So you can avoid a lot of headache. If you buy online, which is basically in tendency what uh, consumers over the last 15 years mm-hmm. increasingly have done, mm-hmm. is basically putting you into the situation where, you know, maybe your uh, order will be confirmed, but, you know, then maybe a day or two days later, you will get another email saying, you know, Unfortunately, your item is on back order and you will get it three weeks later or four weeks later or something like that. So when you go on Amazon, oftentimes you already see, you know, how long will it take? But, you know, that may not be precise. Maybe the estimate is not precise. Amazon may revise, but this big company, of course, you probably can rely on uh, quite a bit. But if you go to other uh, companies, smaller companies, you know, they may not have the information about delivery types on their website, and then you are basically just in a waiting mode for, for, for a while. So my recommendation is, you know, in tendency, if uh, the store has what you want, then pick it up, pick it up early, uh, so then you are in a safe zone. Yeah. Well, this is really going to change the way Cyber Monday looks then. Yeah, yeah. So it's maybe Cyber Monday will be another Black Friday, you know. So <laughs> go in the store. Yeah, go in yeah. the store and yeah. get what you need. Wow. If it's in front of you, you better buy it. That's what it sounds like. I yeah. listen, Matt. You know they also have charcoal in the stores, and if you give too many people underwear and socks, that's what you're going to get. Hey, so. that's what I get every year. I'm the guy who gets to buy all the stuff, so I get the charcoal. That's the way it goes. <laughs> All right, kids, get ready for a bunch of underwear and socks. It's going to be a beautiful Merry Christmas. Doctor, we appreciate you. Uh, Dr. Axel Stock, thank you so much for joining us. UCF professor of marketing. You're the man. Appreciate, uh, Appreciate your wisdom. Ginger, you're amazing as always. I'll accept it, but not your underwear. Thank you. <laughs> hey, it's coming to work too. All my coworkers, underwear and socks, everybody. I'm going to guess on your sizes. Have a great oh, one. We'll God. see you next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>